Hey, AV Clubbers, this is John Tatey, your senior editor of the AV Club, and it's time again for Mom on Pop, the podcast where my mom, Bonnie Tatey, opines on all manner of pop culture. Mom, welcome back to your show. Thank you. Uh, we just saw each other over Labor Day weekend. That was fun, we wasn't it? We did. Oh, we had the greatest, greatest, greatest time. Jenna was here. Merrick came up. It was wonderful. Went to the Hopkinton State Fair, which is one of my favorite events of the New Hampshire cultural calendar. Well, and and really, isn't it the where you should go to be seen? <laughs> well, you certainly go there to see other people. Yes, you do. Although I thought the crowd was remarkably um, un. Remarkable. Yeah, well, we went on Friday afternoon this time, and I think that was wise, but we did see fewer of the uh, backwoods types, I guess I'll put it that way. That's right. That's right. Although there was quite an uproar as there was not townie night, I guess. I read about that in the paper after. Townie night? What is that? Well, I guess the residents of Hopkinton are invited to come and partake of the fair... Uh, but they didn't open up any of the rides or food venues, so they came to the fair, but there was not much fair. What could, what could they do? Look at the pigs? Is that all that's left to I do guess, for them? Yeah, I guess they could only look at the animals. The, they said it was for insurance purposes, that it, you know they got a better deal on the insurance. Eh, I don't know. So we've got a couple of TV shows that we want to talk about today, but first I wondered if you had any thoughts on the passing of Joan Rivers. You know, this this made me really sad, and I have to say, on I posted something on Facebook, and a lot of um, people from my circle came on and said, you know, she was very mean-spirited, she wasn't mm. nice, and, you know, she was no Robin Williams, and which I think is ridiculous, because people want to compare what, you know, yeah. what degree of grieving are you? But people... <laughs> My age, remember Joan Rivers coming on the Ed Sullivan show or the Tonight Show, and you didn't really see very many women comics come on. You know, the Phyllis Stiller was around for sure, but Joan Rivers came on, and she was cute, and um, she was always she was very self-deprecating, always saying she, you know, her husband. Um, wasn't really that attracted to her and talking about how flat she was. And honest to God, Johnny, I can remember her telling a joke about her saying she was so flat that whenever she gets a mosquito bite, she just would tape her bra all over it. <laughs> and that's, I remember that her telling that joke on the Ed Sullivan show. Wow. She was very quick. She was very funny and really, I think, a very you know, scared, scared of of what show business actually was. But I think she actually knew what showbiz was. And I think, she, you know, that's how she justified her, her so many facelifts and such. It was a young business. That's what sold. Yeah, yeah. Well, she, you know, she did always seem to be motivated in part by uh, her unflagging ambition but there did all there was this darker side to it that she talked about uh you know in the documentary that was made about her life a few years ago as well yeah. but she talked about there was this edge of fear to it like what am i going to do with myself if i 
if I'm not doing this. So she just right. kept, I mean, I really first encountered her um, because, you know, my childhood was really a low point in her career or not a low point, but a yes. more quiet yes. stretch of it. And uh, I first encountered her as the center square on the uh, 80s revival of the Hollywood squares mm. where she was very funny and she you know she wasn't a paul lind type she was not the same character as paul lind but she was catty and fun and i remember as a kid watching her and not understanding why i didn't see this more of this person elsewhere but i loved her on that show i saw a little clip today and i don't know if this was from the documentary or not because i did see that uh, a little while ago Uh, but she's having a talk with melissa her daughter about Um, I guess she's going in for a procedure of some kind, and she's saying to Melissa, you know, if I die, um, life is good. You know, life is is worth going on, and and it's good, and we've been lucky, and hasn't this been a wonderful life? And I think she truly meant that and believed it, and... um, I'm going to miss her a lot. I, I I didn't like fashion police, and... I didn't really like this persona, but I felt like I knew a different Joan Rivers. Hmm, interesting, interesting. Um, and I did want to also say, you know, we never did... Did we ever talk about Robin Williams? No, we didn't. Well, I, you know, I would just like to say, uh, I think he really was a brilliant man, and he, he comes up because so many people said, uh, well, Joan Rivers is dead, uh, but, you know, she was no Robin Williams. And... I have to say, Robin Williams, I just didn't know him at all. I, I never saw anything but his his outside, you know? I see. So you feel like you had a sense of Joan Rivers, the person, and you don't have that same feeling about Robin Williams? Right. Huh. Interesting. Interesting. But, I could see that. Yeah? Yeah. That makes sense to me. Go ahead. But, but still both a very big loss. I mean, I do, I do want to say that. It's not really either or. No, of course not. But I understand what you're saying, that you okay. felt Joan Rivers let you in a little closer. She bared her soul a little more, you think. And I grew up with her. I just want to feel, I feel like the younger generation doesn't know the same person that I knew. And I, and I feel bad about that. Well, there, you know, there's been a number of great tributes to her put uh, on the Internet over the last week. And hopefully people will understand the whole breadth of her career a little better. Okay. Then I'll feel better about that. Now, I was there last weekend, uh, and I noticed your ARIA list. I got to see the ARIA list in in the flesh. Now, if the, if, if listeners are new to the podcast, Mom recently started uh, a list of people she intends to... What do you intend to do with these people or entities that end up on the ARIA list? Well, I can't say kill. No. That was ARIA's intention. Yeah. But they're people that I really mm, hate. Right. Now, the, you know, for certain actions, it's not like I, I don't hate them every day, all day long. It's right. Just that, right. Okay. But you're a connoisseur of grudges, and these, I think, are the top tier grudges that you're working on. Would you say that's right? I would say that's right. I almost am adding somebody new, but I can't really talk about that right now. Oh, okay. Well, we the first item is the post office lady, which we've covered in great detail before on the podcast. Uh, but uh, I noticed there was a second entry, and would you care to tell the listeners who, who you've recently added to the ARIA's revenge list? Well, I have added WBZ News out of Boston because 
no matter what minute little tiny piece of news comes on, they interrupt Judge Judy, and sometimes for the whole episode, for the whole hour, for the whole two episodes, and they come on at 5 o'clock. I think for many of these things, there's a thunderstorm someplace. They can wait till their time to, to tell us about it. Yeah. Because obviously the people where the thunderstorm is happening already know about it, and I could give a rat's ass about it. <laughs> I want to know what happened on Judge Judy. Right, right. Uh, you're, an, you're an avid Judge Judy fan. I am. Is she the best of the judge shows, would you say? Uh, I, I, I would like to say yes, but no. Oh, who's the I, best? I like Judge Millie on the best. Yeah, the People's Court. I think she's yes. the best, too. Because sometimes she gets mad, sometimes she makes a joke, sometimes she's nice. She seems very sincere. I like her. Yeah, that's exactly it. Judge Millian, Marilyn Millian, who uh, presides over the People's Court in uh, Judge Wapner's. What did you, did you like Judge Wapner back in the day? Loved all of them. Really? You loved Wapner? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I seem to recall you not liking him when I was a kid. You can't remember that. I can remember. You thought he was too nasty. And now you watch Judge Judy, who's just, oh, she's so vicious to those people. She is nasty. <laughs> and, you know, for somebody that, that uh, you know, is, that's disrespectful to come into court and, and cut off and whatever, she's very disrespectful. Yeah. Sit up. Stand up. Sit down. Yeah, you know. I would say that the People's Court is the only one that even vaguely resembles a legal proceeding. Uh, Judge Judy and the and the other ones are just circuses, which they I don't agree. really attempt to conceal that very much. But it's just an opportunity for, for people to come in and be yelled at for Judge Judy. Now I don't exactly I, right. Does that is that? But you find that fun, fun to the degree that you would hate WBZ News for telling people that their houses are about to be flooded. Well, you really put a spin on that, John. Well, I'm I'm putting the tax to you. Tax? I don't know what that is. Screws, that's what I'm looking for. <laughs> Sorry. The scotch tape? Yeah. Uh, I do like her. I do. Okay. I do like her, and I'll tell you why I like her. Oh, I really shouldn't, though. Tell me. I really like her take on... People that abuse the welfare system. Mm. You know, you you collect, um, what is that called when you're sick and you can't? Disability. You collect disability, but you, on the side, you're roofing houses. You know, it's just, yeah. it kind of annoys me too. Well, I can understand that, but not everybody's like that. That's the problem I have with that stuff, is that I think it presents a distorted yeah. picture. Because all you see on this show are the lowlifes and the deadbeats. That's right. But most people aren't abusing it that way. That's right. And, and it, is a, it is a wonderful thing for the people that use it in the way that it was meant to be But you used. like for the abusers to get, to get the treatment they deserve. I do. I do, because there's really no outlet for me. Yeah. Well, I think that's that's fine. That makes sense. All right. Um, should we talk about Young Doctor's Notebook? 
Yes, we should. Did you watch more than one episode of I this? watched both second season episodes. I was going to start from the beginning, but I had heard that this was a strange show, and I really, I love strange TV shows, so I decided I would just jump in in the middle, and if okay. I didn't entirely understand the premise... Right. Um, that I that would only enhance the experience for me. In fact, they you know they pretty much explained it in the previously on Young Doctor's Notebook. Right. So I I was able to follow along, and I'm really a big fan of the show. Do you enjoy it? We tried it when it was first out, and we did not like it. Oh, and okay. So John Hamm was on the show that will not be named. Judge Judy. No, on, on the on Jimmy Today Fallon. Show. Yes, because <laughs> I don't like. He Jimmy. was on Jimmy Fallon, okay. and they showed a clip of it that just made us laugh right out loud. So we said we have to try this again, and we did, and we loved it. I think perhaps we didn't quite get it when we watched it the first time. Okay, okay. What was the clip that enticed you? It was it was John Hamm and Daniel Radcliffe dancing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which I haven't seen yet. What show was that on? I don't know if that's... I, I've seen that clip, but I have not seen... I don't think I've seen the episode that it's from yet. No, I haven't seen the episode. So the premise of the story is that Daniel Radcliffe has graduated from medical school and goes to some godforsaken place in Russia, mm -hmm. and he is replacing the revered old doctor that has passed on. Okay, that part I didn't catch, so I, I assume that's right. Okay. And he is met with a staff that is very quirky, very uh, straight-laced and dour, and they don't know what to make of him, and he certainly has no idea what to make of them. And John Hamm plays his older self. Right. His future self, who's reading the journal, the notebook of his, his younger self. <laughs> right? Yes. This explanation is getting weird. Well, that's uh, a tricky show. And then and they, they yeah. interact and speak to each other quite a bit. Yeah, so you have John Hamm and Daniel Radcliffe, two, supposed to be the same person at different stages in their lives, but they, John Hamm's reading this notebook, and he appears to the younger one, and they have conversations. Um, the rules of, the, of that world are intentionally fuzzy, it seems, but, um, you know, I, I find that, that interaction interesting because the clear interpretation is that this is John Hamm going back and talking to his younger self, but sometimes it also seems to me that maybe Daniel Radcliffe is talking to an imagined future version of himself. Like, you know, we all sort of project what we're going to be in the future. And I wonder if, almost if it works the reverse way, too. Do you know what I mean? Or am I making even I less sense? I do know what you mean. Um, I can't say. Well, uh, let, me, let me say this, okay? Mm -hmm. Can I say this first? The, the, the reality of it is. Daniel Radcliffe is slowly becoming a morphine addict. Well, I think he's pretty well into it by now. Well, you know, I don't know what's spoiling it for everyone or not. You know? Oh, I see. I think that's fine. Yeah, he's a okay. he's addicted so, to morphine. Yeah. All right. And so when we watched the first two episodes of it, we thought it was very very funny. There was uh, a lot of black humor. Mm-hmm. And a lot of red liquid. Yes, yes, there's a great deal of blood. 
that has me at this point now turning my head away because it, there's less humor in the in the episodes it seems to me and more I just have to say red liquid because I just can't stand the thought that it's blood <laughs> and and it's getting it's getting darker because at this point um, Daniel Radcliffe as the doctor is using all the morphine himself yeah. and, and has nothing left to give to the patients, so he's filling the vials with water. Yeah. You know, it's pretty, it's, it's pretty dark, and it feels odd to laugh at it. Well, it does, but, uh, you know, and that's... I mean, that you're talking about the second season premiere now, which is astonishingly bloody and just so much screaming and... and I was a little surprised that you had gotten into this into this show, frankly, because you're not you, you don't usually go in for the gore. Well, I was uh, I was deceived by the humor, and then I was already I was already <laughs> in, you know. But you still you're still laughing even amid all the blood. I was too. I mean, yes. I was I was horrified, but I was I don't know. I was laughing at the you know. It kind of reminded me of. Frasier, and, you know, every episode of Frasier was some minor misunderstanding (laughs) blossoms into complete farce, right? And it was interesting. I loved how they set this up, and it was really this, in kind of this sitcom-y way, (laughs) but the thing is, it's about addictive drugs and people being incredibly people being in incredible pain and war and all this. And that's very funny so that they oh, apply hilarious. this. They, well, it's funny to me that they apply the sort of, you know, hijinks, sitcom style hijinks to, I agree. to the Didn't setting. It remind you, doesn't it remind you sort of of the mentality of the Three Stooges? <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean, there is a lot of... Uh, uh, there's a lot of physical comedy in it. I won't. Yes. I wouldn't say slapstick, but there is a great no, deal of physical no. comedy. Um, another thing I liked about it that I wanted to ask you about is it is set in Russia, but it's this. Uh, I don't know. It's like this imagined version of Russia. Have yes. you watched uh, any Wes Anderson movies? Are you a fan of Wes Anderson? Like what? Rushmore, The Royal Tenenbaums. I the saw Life that. Of, yeah. Do you like those? Um, I, I would say I like that one. The Royal Tenenbaums? Yeah. You know, the quirkiness of it. The Yeah, well, I mean, that takes place in a New York that kind of resembles the real New York, but it's also this sort of fanciful, um, sheltered version of New yes. York. Purposely right. so, I think. Uh, and that's, to me... So Young Doctor's Notebook reminded me of that in, in that respect, in that it's this imagined version of Russia, almost this sort of literary... Uh, version of Russia, literary, or also what what you um, you know say the word Russia, and when you're ten years old, and this is what you think of. <laughs> that's right. That's a much better way to put it. That's that's right. right. No, not much else. You yeah, know? not a lot of happiness. Right. Uh, not a lot of color. Right. But. Uh, yeah, so I love that, and I love that everybody speaks English, and they don't really make a big deal out of that. Yeah, yeah. You know, to me, it's a very smart show. I can't say whether it's a a comedy. I, I don't know. There, This falls into a very odd 
category. I think that John Hamm and Daniel Radcliffe, it's a great, they're sort of like two planets orbiting each other. Like one really couldn't exist without the other because I love thinking about Radcliffe as a younger version of Ham in this show and the other way around. Right, right. And somehow they look similar enough to pull it off. Somehow they do. Yeah, somehow they, and they've managed to sort of bring their mannerisms closer together. I think that Radcliffe maybe has taken on a little more of Ham just because yeah. John Ham has such presence, but you can see how they pick up little traits of each other in the performance, and that's just so much fun. And I'll tell you another thing I loved about this. John Ham, of course, everyone knows who that is, and all children know who Daniel Radcliffe is, <laughs> but I thought this was a wonderful role that wasn't Harry Potter for him. Yeah, yeah. You know, you look at, you see these child stars star in these big movies or these TV shows or uh, these movie series, and it's always a little bittersweet, right? Because you think, right. oh boy, they're probably, judging by history, their career isn't going to pan out and this is going to be their peak. You know, you wish the best for them when they're talented at least. But do you? Do you though? I do. <laughs> sure. All right. I don't want any more E! True Hollywood stories. Okay. I mean, I guess I don't want to be watching it and feeling the sadness of, well, this is this is as good as it gets for them. Right. Uh, so I love that Daniel Radcliffe really has managed to craft a post-Harry Potter career, and he seems to yes. be making a real go of it. I, I feel nothing but positive, good things for him. I, I think this was uh, a real chance to take, and I'm glad both of them did it. Now, if you were traveling back in time to visit with your younger self, say... Oh, my God. What would you say? Uh, I would say probably don't a lot of times. <laughs> don't what? Uh, don't get married the first time. Uh, that's a biggie. But that's uh, that's the interesting thing about the show is that is that John Hamm doesn't really do that, right? He kind of hints and conjoles, but but he doesn't he doesn't really give advice. He just sort of comments and interacts. Wouldn't you say that's right? Well, I do, but I also feel that he has great sorrow for the path of uh, Daniel Radcliffe. Yeah, that's yes. He does have great sorrow. I think he's he's bringing a perspective to bear, but there's also a certain fatalism. He knows he can't really change anything. Right, right. And as I would as I would look back, I, you know, I try not to look too frequently or too deeply, or because there's not a damn thing I can do about it, and nobody's running up to New Hampshire to make a movie about my sad little <laughs> past. Um, so I'd rather not have a look at it, I think. Really? How about you? Um, I think I'd go back and tell myself to relax. I would just Oh, say, my God. You're never going to relax. <laughs> you're terrible at relaxing. Well, I don't... You're just wasting your breath. Well, I, I think I've gotten better at not being... I'm certainly as busy as I ever was, and that part is never going to change. But I guess I mean relax insofar as you'll be fine. And, you know, it's, you're not always headed for disaster if you don't work as hard as you possibly can. Because that's how I lived a lot, you know, yes. in college and shortly yep. after. That's how I really lived my life, is if I wasn't doing the absolute most I could do, then I was a failure and not living right. up to myself. Right, and we have volumes of uh, the school newspaper that will uh, 
that are my testament to the fact that you didn't have a nervous breakdown. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't get much sleep then. No, terrible. Should we talk about going deep with Dave Reese? I think we should. I definitely think we should. I think this show is wonderful. I don't know what's wrong with you. All right. Well, I, I did tell mom before the show that I wasn't crazy about going deep with Dave Reese, but tell the folks what it is, where they can watch it, and so on. It's on Nat, Nat Geo mm-hmm. on TV. They can watch it on TV. Uh, what are you, <laughs> right? What do you mean? What is the, <laughs> what is the show? <laughs> well, it's a, um, it's a how-to show. Is it? Isn't it? Uh, it's. It, it, I guess it's structured as such, but I don't think it's. I don't think that's that's what it was to me. I mean, to me, it's really. This, I saw several episodes. I'm pretty sure that's what it is, John. Well, he he talks about how to do things, but it's really about exploring the nature of mundane things, not so much about right. teaching you how to do it. Right. I mean, he does. And that. you watched. Well, first, can I just say, I love this show because in the opening credits, he eats a donut. <laughs> that's it that's it well i you know that's a good start i love donuts yeah well who doesn't all right i watched how to make an ice cube okay how to flip a coin how to swat a fly okay now i only watched how to make an ice cube because then i was done with the show all right, and that was the first one I watched, and I didn't think you would like this man if you watched that, because for some reason, he was kind of a doofus asshole in that episode, and, but then since we were going to talk about it, I watched some other episodes, and I have to tell you, John, that Stephen Colbert, you know, really likes this show. Oh, so I should like it because Stephen Colbert likes it? Well, don't you like Stephen Colbert? Well, yeah, I'm an admirer of his. I don't really watch well, his show very much. Well, there you go. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's it. That's it for you. <laughs> the case has been made. All right, so tell tell the folks what Dave Reese, how the half hour proceeds, and then I'll, ta- I'll talk about why I didn't like him. I am going to do just that. Okay. How to Fly to Fly. They start out with some information. Best tools techniques that's what they're going to explore mm-hmm. then they they start off with a little information that there are a hundred thousand species of flies and that they are a public health problem because they carry disease hmm. then they do a little explaining such as they have no teeth and so what they do is throw up a little liquid on whatever they land on your sandwich whatever and then they suck it up. And then Dave Reese displayed that, which was disgusting. I did Ugh. not know that. Well, yeah. They puke on your sandwich and then they suck the puke back up? Right, because they have no teeth. Hmm. Yeah. What does having teeth have to do with it, though? Well, they don't just land on your sandwich and chew it. I see. I see what you're saying. Okay. Okay? Yeah. So, because when they throw up, it liquefies a little I see. of your whatever. I see. Well, I think we said throw up enough, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Which always sort of makes me gag a little anyway. But, yeah. All right. So now they're looking for the best method, and they go through several things, the newspaper, the shoe, whatever. Well, it turns out that the fly can feel the air 
flow as you try to hit them from whatever you're using, if it's a shoe or whatever, and so that the fly slaughter is indeed the best method. They go to the University of Massachusetts and they speak to an aerodynamics professor and they demonstrate how uh, a solid object affects the fly. And they put some spots of dye on the bottom of a tank of water and they show how as you come down, the flow alerts the fly to move and they can move he said, this is what the guy from UCLA said, that it takes 300 milliseconds to blink your eye and that the fly can feel the approach of your object, mm-hmm. fly swatter, whatever. And his reaction time is one-third of the time it takes you to blink your eye. Wow. A tenth of a second, then. Uh well, math is not my strong that, Yeah, <laughs> I think that would be, if it's a third of 300 milliseconds, I guess it would be a tenth of a second then. If, you, if you're not using a fly swatter that has holes in it, right? Right. Because the fly swatter lets the air pass through, is that the idea? Right. You know, there's some examples that he uses, and this was one that he used. This was an example that he did. He was on the squash court, and they were going to talk about the benefits of using a fly swatter and he has on white shorts and a white shirt and white sneakers and he has on black socks and I have to tell you I just I got depressed (laughs) why because his socks were bad his socks were black it looks so it just (laughs) looks sad to me does anybody else feel like that (laughs) I I don't know. I guess we'll find out when the readers respond, but that doesn't that doesn't sound too sad to me. It just looks pathetic to me. Well, I you know, he's gainfully employed as a TV personality, so I'm sure he can afford different socks if he wants. Well, do you think do you think he did that on purpose? I don't know. I don't know why it troubles you so much. Well, I don't know why either. It just it always just looks sad to me. It looks sad. Black socks look sad. Yeah, and you know, I have to say also, Merrick wears black socks, but not that you can see. Doesn't he wear black footies? Merrick does, yeah. I don't like those footies. Me and men don't like that. They're called athletic socks. Yeah. Because I asked for them one time in the store. It was in Macy's, mm-hmm. and the woman laughed at me. For calling them footies? Yeah. I've heard them called peds. Yeah, those are all women's names for them. Hmm. Well, that was very rude of that person to laugh at you. I know. Well, anyway, I don't know how we got talking about socks, but I guess I don't find the black socks that bad. I, I'm interested to hear that his attitude changed in the later episodes, because you're quite right. That was the problem that I had with it, which was that he just acts like a dumbass who has to high-five yeah. everyone, and he'd have these... Scientists, I watched the ice episode about making ice, and he explained, you know, it was interesting to find out why the ice made in your freezer is cloudy and why ice made different ways is not. You know, the direction of the freezing apparently is a big part of it, and when you're freezing from every angle at once, as you are when you put an ice cube tray in the freezer, that's, you know, it traps air bubbles in there, apparently. I found that interesting. Right, I knew you would, because do you want to tell the people what you use for an ice cube? Do you still use? I don't know. Tell me. What do you think? You know, I wanted that ice cube tray. 
Oh, the fish, the maker. fish ice cube tray. Yeah, we do. We do use that. No, 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 Johnny. That's not the one. Oh, the diamond. The one that makes the big jewel. <laughs> Yeah. So a few years ago, the PopCap people sent, I don't know, to the AV Club, some, uh, I don't know, for as a bejeweled promo, they sent some uh, ice cube maker that just makes a big diamond out of ice. Uh, about as, like, half as big as your fist, I'd say it is. Well, I think it's as big as my fist. And you wanted that. See, this is what happens all the time is I get promo items, which, you know, all of which I eventually give away or they end up in the garbage somewhere, frankly, because I don't really want any of them. But mom always feels upset that she doesn't get the junk that I get. Isn't that right, mom? Yes. Now, you wouldn't do anything with it. You got enough stuff. My God. Johnny, I had to buy one of those myself. Oh, really? Do you use it? No. (laughs) That's what I thought. And so anyway, going back to going deep with with Dave Reese, yeah, he's just acting right. too much like a dumbass, and just he's he's got a he's got all these nice scientists explaining things to him in in layman's terms and perfectly yeah. understandable terms, and then he's got to dumb it down even further. You know, they talk about uh, so the ice freezes from every direction; it creates these air bubbles, and then he's got to make it into this even dumber metaphor. I forget how he talked about it, but it's just like he reminded me of Guy Fieri a little bit. It doesn't need to be dumbed down twice. That was my frustration right. with him. I don't right. need science to to be spoon-fed to me by some locker room guy pretending to be a locker room jock, you know? Well, I did think he was a real ass on that show, and that's why I'm sorry. I thought that was the most interesting subject, I have to say, you know, the making of ice. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, they showed uh, how he came to Maine where they do ice cutting and put it away for the summer. Yeah, yeah. How they used to do in old times, and that when they actually bring the ice up, that the top layer is snow mixed with ice. I guess that's how you would describe it. But that the bottom 10 inches or so are perfectly clear and beautiful. Yeah, that was cool. I had never thought about how they... It's said that there's only one ice house left in Maine. Yeah, and you know, they in in the next town over from us, they do that uh, every winter. They have an ice cutting day, and then they invite you to come back in the summer and have ice cream made with that. So they and they and I also watch how to light a match. That was, I mean, I really wish you would just watch one other episode, maybe. I will. I will. We'll follow up on it in a later show. Okay. All right, so we'll leave it there for Going Deep with Dave Reese. I'll watch another episode of that, and we'll uh, we'll check back in a, in a couple of weeks to check on that. Okay. Um, for now, I am John Tatey for Bonnie Tatey. Thanks, Mom. You're welcome. And we will be back in two weeks with another installment of Mom on Pop. Thanks for listening. Subscribe on iTunes. Subscribe on SoundCloud. Subscribe wherever. Never miss an episode. <laughs> so long for now.